everybody has their own genius. Um, and, you know, I'll give the example. There was one young person that came to us and, and all the tasks we were asking um, felt like pulling teeth, like, you know, go out and record some videos that we can use for B-roll, you know, and that kind of thing. And he would do the task, but it felt like pulling teeth. Um, and it didn't feel like it was being productive and until we gave him a tool that helped him to unlock his genius for us, right? He had everything in his head, but we, the second we gave him uh, a, a template for, for storyboarding, he, he storyboarded and all of that genius spilled out all over that paper. And we were able to see exactly what all these clips that he had been collecting, how that made sense. Um, and we realized that, he, you know, not that we didn't know he was brilliant. It was just we were, we were able to help him unlock that genius in a way that he didn't know to translate to other people before. That was Cordy and Lewis Allen talking about how everybody has their own unique genius. He's passionate about the issue of minority underrepresentation in design and tech fields, as well as youth unemployment. So Cordine founded the non-profit youth creative agency made in Brownsville in 2013 to really provide a gateway for young people in this native Brownsville community to learn marketable hard skills in STEAM, which is science, technology, engineering, art, and math as well as access to post-secondary education, being able to gain or create employment and actually rebuild their community in a way that benefits residents. Now, Made in Brownsville has been featured by the likes of the New York Times, Forbes, Fast Company, Business Insider, JP Morgan Chase and Al Jazeera. And Cordin himself has been a guest critic and lecturer on social advocacy in design at Harvard, Queens College and the Pratt Institute. He's an honoree of the 2017 Forbes 30 Under 30 list and was named a 2013 40 Under 40 Creative Urban Leader by Next City's Vanguard. Now, I think the intro speaks for itself, but I'm super excited to bring you guys this episode and Cordine's experience around how design, the community, and youth intersect. Enjoy. Thanks so much for joining us. Cordine. Um, and just to start us off, why don't you just give us a bit of an idea of, you know, what your childhood was like and some of the big influences in your work today growing up? Sure. Thanks, uh, Akil. Appreciate it, the, the opportunity. So, Made in Brownsville um, was something that came out of, <laughs> like, when I was really young, I, I think around the age of five, um, I lost my uncle to gun violence in Brownsville. Um, it, and it changed my perception of public space um, a little bit. And I, I think as opposed to like thinking about trauma, the trauma that happened or uh, around kind of like that incident, I, I figured out how to turn my, my trauma into a passion. Uh, and the passion was really around um, making space safer for myself and my family. Um, so, you know, although I didn't myself experience a lot of um I guess insecurity about being in, in public space. I, I, I think it was a problem for a lot of my peers. So uh, I went to a number of schools uh, outside of the neighborhood. And I think that that's, that also played a large part in me not experiencing much of the social interactions within the, the community. Um, but, but after doing some several years of, of schooling, I went to uh, SUNY Buffalo and, and Harvard for 
architecture. Um, I really wanted to get back into the neighborhood and actually talk to people about, about um, you know, some of the issues that we see here and how you might be able to kind of progress. And a lot of what I was hearing from folks while doing community visioning sessions and things was that young people um, uh, need jobs and, and need mentorship and, uh, and, and that would, would highly impact public safety. Um, and so I kind of thought to put the two together, right? Like if, you, if I'm thinking about how to make space safer, I can do that through design, but I can also do that by employing young people so that they aren't doing involved in insecure activities. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and how did your, uh, school environments, you know, sort of shape your perspective and what was your experience as, you know, growing up through, um, elementary, middle and high school? Uh, I, that's a good question. I, I, I'm not sure, I guess, what, what influence they had on me. I did, you know, I think the, the, the most jarring, um, uh, time in my life was, you know, the transition from, um, a predominantly uh, black school to in, in, in first to fifth grade to a uh, um, very mixed but mostly white school in sixth grade, um, and uh, and I, I felt like a, a fish out of water, and um, and my grades started to reflect that, and I got into a lot of trouble. I was fighting a lot more, and so I had to get take. I got kicked out of that school. <laughs> um, ended up going to a school where my godmother was. And it was again a, a, a predominantly minority school, and but I, you know, I acclimated there. I was able to to excel there. Um, you know, by and large, I I felt that fish out of water moment in, uh, in that predominantly white school. Um, and again, I felt the, those moments when I was uh, at in, in the undergraduate and then grad school. Um, where I went to two predominantly white institutions, um, and and I think that that kind of the jarringness of that for 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 people of color, um, if that kind of like permeates into your workspaces, it, it has an effect on uh, psychologically. Like I said, I, I was kicked out of <laughs> of um, of for fighting. You know, uh, I I wasn't um, I didn't feel safe. <laughs> In, in the state. Um, so I think that there's something to be said about, you know, developmentally, what it means not to, to feel uh, either represented or, or um, acknowledged or, or valued in a space um, and how that affects your, your interactions with other people. Yeah, and it's interesting as well to think about how your mindset really shift to a stage where, you know, you're looking to take on these big community issues and really make a big impact in the development of youth who are growing up in a similar way. Yeah. And, and you know, with the underlying theme of you know, like inclusion in spaces in which they are not, you know, like for, for one, when you think about where design happens, <laughs> typically here in, in, in New York, it's like you go to Midtown Manhattan with this tall skyscrapers with the huge uh, ad agencies, or you go to Dumbo, um, these kind of like hip, hip places where innovation and, and Brooklyn Navy Yards where, um, you know, light manufacturing is happening and new, new innovative technologies, but those things aren't in 
um, East Brooklyn, right? Those, they, they aren't happening um, in under-resourced neighborhoods. And so the, the, the whole conversation about inclusion um, in terms of representation in spaces is also kind of, it's, it's, it's systemic in, in where people are living as well. Um, and, and, you know, we're, we're, we here in Brownsville, I guess, are a good example of that. But there's plenty of places across the world that are, have the same stigma in my around space. Yeah, definitely. And do you think there was, like, one specific moment that really, you know, sparked that interest in you where, like, this is what I want to do. I want to go out and I want to solve this issue. <laughs> uh, there weren't – I guess it's hard to – to fit it down to one specific one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I tell Anything story. that really comes to mind. Yeah. yeah. The story about um, <laughs> I was invited to a, a, a forum about public housing um, when it was mostly architects in, in the room, architects and designers. So, you know, how can we f- push the conversation around public housing? Um, and I, I get there and I think around 15 minutes into the, the talk, I looked around and I realized that I was the only, uh, black person in the room. And, um, and in, in a city that, you know, in, in the city that has the highest concentration of public housing in the nation, um, where, uh, most of the inhabitants are. Um, black and Hispanic, um, it's it's a difficult thing to feel like you're representing <laughs> all of those people in a room of 200 people, um, and I think that that was that was something that really you know shook me up. But also just like a number of me me working in in, in corporations and the the harrowing number. I think that the real real discovery for me was when I was doing the research around, you know, um, access. And, and I realized that 87% of tech, uh, founder is, um, is white and only 1% is black. Right. Um, you know, we, in, in Brownsville, is that really, wow. Yeah. It's, it's a huge, <laughs> huge gap. <laughs> um, in Brownsville, one out of every four uh, young people here are disconnected. So disconnected means 16 to 24 year olds that are not in school and yeah. working. Um, and that's a huge number. It's the, it's the highest Definitely. number in, in, in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. So, so, yeah, this definitely. Sound- we'll wake you up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think as well, um, you know, a lot of our listeners and myself as well, uh, you know, in Australia, and it's quite a big, you know, eye opener as well to hear about a lot of these different issues that are happening around the world, particularly in you know a place like America that has such a public face uh, that we do see, uh, and then you've got to hear about the realities of the communities as well. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean. I, I know we've sort of touched on this and uh, I just want to dig a bit deeper into it. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I know you spoke about this, touched on it, you know, a bit earlier, but I'd like to dig a bit deeper. Uh, so because a lot of young people, particularly who'd be listening to this, uh, Cordine, I know want to make a difference and, you know, want to make a positive impact. Um, so 
you know, your work with a lot of youth and, you know, helping them build civic leadership and gain, you know, really important skills uh, in succeeding in tough environments. You also do a lot of work around design and, you know, placemaking within the community, which we've sort of spoken about. Um, but, you know, how do young individuals and the broader community intersect? Like, what's the roles of being able to find success as youth? What's our role in doing that? And then what role does the broader community play as well? That's a great question. Um, so the, the way I think about it is I'm 30. I'm already old in with res, respects to my uh, my ideologies. Um, you know, I, I feel like we get baked in when we're around school age and um, and how we think about the world is is given to us by the people who are teaching us um, and some of our experiences. And um, so, you know, whereas th this thing that I've created with Made in Brownsville is a solution that I see as an immediate need to solve something that I realized, you know, five years ago, four years ago, um, there's a young person right now that's facing a challenge and, and they can, uh, and they have the solutions, um, and their, their voice and, and that solution is more pertinent to a whole generation that I am out of touch with already. Um, so, so the community's role is to give them that space to, to develop um, those solutions. That's all designing is. You know, and that's what we, we, you know, young people come to us and say, oh, well, I'm not artsy. I'm not a designer. I was like, well, have you ever, uh, you know, thought about a problem and, and solved it, right? Like, we've been problem solving since we were babies. And, um, you know, if, if you couldn't wake up in the morning, you went and you brought an alarm clock. <laughs> um, you know, the only thing that, that makes the difference between um, that person and, uh, and the inventor who created the clock was the inventor had a kit of parts that they made into a, a thing. Your kit of parts was something that you could buy at a store and, and you, you've plugged the pieces in to, to solve a particular problem in your life, right? So I, I think that the, at the root of, at the root of the, you know, your question is, is um, you know, what, what can we be doing, um, today? For, what can young people be doing today to like, to take yeah. part of their agency? Um, yeah, their futures and and I, and I really think it's it's at the core it's it's making space for their ideas and being loud about it and um and actually having the tools to to visualize because when you when you're able to to um visualize something for other people you're able to advocate for something and get people to organize around it um and that's and that's that's really powerful yeah it's a really powerful tool yeah definitely and. Um, have you found any sort of traits in people who do really well through your programs and those who maybe don't do so well? And the, the reason I do ask this is because there's a big, a lot of perception around young people that, as you sort of mentioned, if you're creative, um, you know, you're able to, you will be able to do these things well. And if you're not creative, um, you don't really have a place in terms of trying to solve issues in a creative way. That's true. Uh, everybody has their own genius, and and that's one of the things that we realized in you know it's hard to do, give uh, such a broad group of people a top down 
um, you know, curriculum. You, know, you really have to, to tailor education to uh, individuals. Um, and, you know, I'll give an example. There was one young person um, that came to us and, and all the tasks we were asking um, felt like pulling teeth, like, you know, go out and record some videos that we can use for B-roll, you know, and, and that kind of thing. And he would do the task, but it felt like pulling teeth. Um, and it didn't feel like it was being productive and until we gave him a tool that helped him to unlock his genius for us, right? He had everything in his head, but we, the second we gave him uh, a, a template for, for storyboarding, <laughs> he, he storyboarded and all of that genius spilled out all over that paper. And we were able to see exactly what all these clips that he had been collecting, how that made sense. Um, and we realized that, he, you know, not that we didn't know he was brilliant. It was just we were, we were able to help him unlock that genius in a way that he didn't know to translate to other people before. So, yeah, I was just supposed to say, you know, the, there's no, it doesn't look a type of way, uh, the same way for every person. Uh, and it shouldn't. Yeah, and I think that, you know, in that case, I'm not sure how it is in America, but definitely here, um, high school doesn't really, you know, growing up through the schooling system and, and the type of education that we face, it doesn't really help us in terms of helping everyone actually unlock their genius, you know. Uh, there's a lot of people who sort of get left behind in that process and that's why I think, you know, programs like what you're doing with Made in Brownsville uh, really makes a huge impact if it's able to affect kids at a young age. Um, and so, for those who, you know, might not be familiar with the work that Maiden Brownsville does, um, why don't you just run us quickly through that? Sure. So, it's uh, Maiden Brownsville is a, a transdisciplinary creative agency uh, employing and training youth in design and technology. And uh, we, we do that through apprenticeship. Um, the apprenticeship program runs for six months. Um, young people are tr uh, trained in anything from videography, photography, graphic design, animation, web development, um, uh, apparel design, product design, and spatial design. So things that, you know, uh, allow people to create campaign campaigns and, and voices and narratives, but also, um, you know, give them access to economic mobility. Um, so over the course of that six months, um, they're learning these hard, hard and soft skills and, and working towards a capstone project, which is a community benefits project, and can, meaning that somewhere um, out in public, someone will benefit from the project that they're doing, either it's a campaign or a space that's, that's activated, a vacant lot that's activated from something that they've designed. Um, and then post, post that, the celebration of that, that thing that they've created, uh, they graduate and are then able to be freelancers in our creative agency. So that allows them to have access to all the clients that we work with to build their portfolios um, and uh, and make them more marketable and you know, design the technology marketplace. No, I think I think definitely making a uh, pretty big pretty big impact. Uh, I love the idea of you know the program that you're going with, and um, as soon as I heard about you know, what you guys are doing. I was like, I just have to get in touch because I think you'd be great to have on here. Yeah. And so, have you? what are the sort of results that you've seen um, through these programs with the kids and then uh, with the projects that you do to impact the communities? What's sort of 
you know, how does it affect um, both the, the young person and the community? You know, it's subjective, obviously. Uh, the, the real powerful stuff for me is when the young person doesn't need us anymore. <laughs> and they, they, we, they kind of like go off the map because we've, we taught them something that allowed them to um, excel and move themselves in their education forward. So one of, one of the other people who came back, he went off the, he ghosted for a little bit, um, but he came back this week. He said, Oh, Mr. Q, you know, I just started school um, at a local community college and um, doing graphic design, studying graphic design. Um, and I just wanted to thank you uh, because you, you, you introduced me to um, Illustrator and I was able to make album covers for, for, for his friends. Like the reason why he hadn't been around is because he was like working. <laughs> we gave him the tools that he needed to, to kind of like start his own business. He's making, he has a, a shirt business that he's uh, uh, making shirt designs and things of that nature. So he, he, all he really needed was that kind of like little bit of technical education um, to unlock his genius, right? Um, the, yeah. the, and forgive me, what was the, what, what was I answering? What was the question I was answering? Oh, yeah. So, no, it was just, <laughs> um, you know, what sort of impact have you actually been able to oh, see yeah. through this? With the community, yeah. the community. So the, the projects that we're doing out in public, for instance, we did a, 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 a plaza uh, where it took a, a old cul-de-sac um, kind of like a dead end, insecure space, uh, and turned it into a public plaza with a mural on the ground that young people designed uh, through our program and, uh, with partners um, in community, including um, Roswell Community Justice Center and, and the Department of Transportation for the city. The, the, when people are walking past and they see a, a bunch of young people on the ground painting um, and uh, being creative, they there really is nothing much that they can do to say, you know, good for you. Like you guys are doing something awesome, and thank you for doing that, right? And 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 that's been the feedback that we've gotten when we, we did a pop up um, location and to get the word out about our organization and to get feedback from the community uh, about how we can better serve the community. So we had like a, a interactive uh, survey wall um, where people yeah. can. It, there were nails in the wall that corresponded to questions and answers and people could tie yarn around the nail in the series mm-hmm. to create this graph of, of answers. Um, it's, it's a way of uh, like, it's like getting people engaged in you know, shaping what things are in their backyard um, and in a way that they hadn't been able to have before. Right. A lot of yeah. ways that people are engaging and surveying folks here is there's a paper or there's a, a, a session uh, where the city comes and they want you to come to the table and then they put out these maps and you put dots on it and they roll it up and it goes under somebody's desk and you never see it again. We're the, a better way of, of engaging community and understanding if you're actually serving their needs is really to kind of be public about you know the questions and and have a hub or a series of hubs where, where people are able to see the answers of their neighbors and, and talk about, like, is this thing really serving us? Are we really benefiting from, um, you know, this organization um, or these, these activities? 
um, is, is, uh, is, is, is kind of like, we, we want to create this, a, a Yelp-like space, like a, a physical Yelp, <laughs> I think. That's the <laughs> real way. Yeah. Well, it's definitely... If, we, if we're making it... Yeah, human-centered human centered design um, is definitely what comes to mind. Absolutely. When you're talking about that, because, yeah, I think it's, it's huge. If you're solving a problem, uh, trying to solve a problem to help a community or a group of people, um, you need to design it around actually addressing their issues and not just making assumptions, you know, about uh, what they need because uh, I think that's probably where it can hurt the most if you do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, awesome. And so, you you know, the the work that you do with uh, Maiden Browns will, you know, focus on developing those uh, skills around, you know, science, technology, engineering, you know, art and math and, you know, using that, to empower these young people to be able to help address issues in their communities. Um, and so, you know, you've chosen those skills as being a real emphasis in the education side of things um, around the work that you do. Uh, what role do you see them playing in the future of youth that are growing up today? Uh, this, this, the technology sector is the uh, fastest growing industries in in the world and, and uh, just being able to harness the power of information, uh, data, and um, as well as being able to invent and um, and manufacture um, in, in a decentralized manner really breaks the, the monotony or the rhythm of uh, larger corporate entities that don't have you know individuals in in mind. It really breaks their model, and and so you know, young people in, in having access to STEAM education can really be the disruptors of industries um, to invent products and, um, that compete with leading conglomerates um, and, and disrupt their models and um, and redistributes wealth in that way, um, uh, so that money isn't hiding in tax havens, but it's actually um, uh, out in the open in public spaces in communities that they care about. So I, I really think that there's something to be said about you know harnessing design and technology education and um, and decentralizing um, where that activity happens, where, where that knowledge is held, uh, and who has access to it. Yeah, and we're definitely seeing that decentralization happen uh, for sure. You know, there's a lot of uh, young people who are doing great things in in the design and technology space, yeah. And I think that it's only it's only going up from there. Uh, and it's great to see, you know, youth actually taking a lead and taking a role in uh, innovating and trying to address a lot of different issues. Um, and so, for you, were you able to were those skills, you know, around Steam stuff that you developed? early on or was it more you know through your university uh education and studies through that yeah you know, they say to be an architect you need to know a little bit about a lot and um they, they, they didn't teach you a ton of stuff in terms of the technical um fields, but they expected you to know it so it's very interesting yeah. place to be in because you, you <laughs> architects are their role is to sell people stuff 
uh, you're, essentially, you're selling someone a building and trying to convince them that they should spend millions of dollars on it. Um, so yeah. it's a great communicator. You have to be able to make renderings and animations and uh, um, you know make graphs and charts and um, you know and and a, maybe a compelling video promoting and you know. Um, make a 3D model on uh, with a 3D printer and laser cutter, and or maybe prototype like a some mechanics of the, the shading structure that's going to to help to keep the building um, warm and insulated from uh, solar heat gain. There, it's, it, there's there's so much in just like thinking about a building and, and how to to sell it that any one of those those tools that I was using to communicate the effectiveness of design could be its own career, right? Like I could take, mm. I could take rendering and, and go off and you know, work for a, a movie studio, <laughs> um, you know, Pixar or something and um, make monsters. And, or I could, you know, take, take the 3D modeling, uh, 3D uh, prototyping, rapid prototyping stuff and, and be a furniture designer. <laughs> so it's, it's, it, it, it really leaves the world open uh, in that kind of technical education uh, background. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's just, just realizing that, you know, we're getting to a bit of a close sort of fairly soon. Um, I did want to ask you, you know, for young people growing up and who are listening to this, uh, you know, really wanting to, make a difference and looking for, you know, some sort of inspiration and um, some sort of way to do that. Uh, how can young people, you know, growing up in the environments that we have today and, you know, growing up from a young age, most, you know, even as early as early high school, uh, which for us is we call high school is, you know, starting when you're around 12 or 13, you know, young people growing up through that and, through the education system before university or even early university? How can we do things to be able to find that passion that you've been so lucky to be able to find yourself? Um, you know, what sort of things can we do to be able to, to go around that? And then how can we actually work on, if we're not creative naturally, trying to address these issues in a creative way? All right. Okay. Yeah. So that's a great question. So uh, one, I think, it's never too early to just start a business, <laughs> you know, whatever the, the business is. And, and like I said before, like a business is really just having had identified a problem, a need or a, a void, a, a, a gap that needs to be filled and you providing the solution to that. Um, so high school, young high schoolers, early high schoolers can start a start business I've seen. I've seen it plenty of times, right? Like, the other thing I would say is that you know, a lot of some of the experience that I was able to get was in going into student groups and being able to access opportunities that I wasn't uh, wouldn't have had access to otherwise. So either volunteering or, or getting involved in student groups that uh, deal with uh, issues that you care about, you know, or, or things that you care about. Open the doors to other opportunities. I was able to through the social change activism group um, at my school um, go uh, go abroad to Nigeria and work 
for a, a foundation that was building a city. And I was, I was helping to design affordable housing for that, that village. Um, uh, all through that, that kind of uh, being active in that group. So the, the you know, possibilities are, are really endless in terms of where, if, if you don't necessarily know what um, you care about, but and I, I would say, I would link to that story that being able to see what that, the person who brought us out there to Nigeria um, was doing it for, like this village had given him money when he was young to go to school <laughs> and he came back and after becoming you know rich, he worked for Enron and Apple and started a software company in, in Uja in Nigeria. He wanted to build a city on the land that this, this village couldn't use. Um, and so that this, the village gave him the land and he, he wanted to build something that would make, you know, make use of this thing that was previously unusable. Um, and that, that kind of like culture of service, you know, like I am indebted to you for this is something that I think, you know, drove me to be passionate about my own community as well. Um, so you never know where, you know, you'll be inspired or, or find your passion. Um, you have to you have to put yourself out there to, to really um, allow those things to come. But they'll come. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, do, are there any sort of you know books, podcasts, any sort of things that you'd recommend would be really get, great for people to listen, read to, watch, even? Uh, yeah, um, there's a great book uh, called Dark Spaces by. Um, Mario Gooden. Um, there's a couple uh, <laughs> Richard Florida books. I, I guess the one about called Urban Crisis, the most recent one. Um, and then the other one is a, a, around the creative classes, but really understanding you know why, um, how how cities are being shaped and, and changed. Um, uh, you know, obviously, I'm gonna. I have an urban, <laughs> urbanist lens, so a lot of you know the things that that inspire me are are going to be around kind of like um, urban design. Um, but yeah, I, I think you know in order to understand where the need is moving forward, um, we kind of have to take stock of uh, what the what the landscape is and who is is. Uh, being marginalized right now, right? Um, yeah. Right now, sub the suburbs are dying, <laughs> and people are moving back into to urban areas, um, centers, and so now we're we're going to have to shift focus in in a, in a couple of decades, or, or even now, like to think about how we're supporting suburban and rural areas. Um, because that creates a generation gap, right? Like if Absolutely. young people are moving out into different areas and they're the ones who are actually able to make a difference and create change in those innovative ways, uh, you know, what's happening to the communities. Absolutely. Yeah, def definitely. And um, so, Claudine, what's the best way for people that are interested in, you know, keeping up with your work or, um, you know, having a look at, what you're up to in different things as you progress along. What's the best way to do that? Uh, we have a website made in brownsville.org and all of our social media is, is on there on Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter. 
Um, so yeah, that's one way. And, and yeah, I encourage people to reach out to us um, whenever possible. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me. It was an absolute pleasure uh, being able to talk to you and uh, discuss all these different things around, you know, young people and the community. And it's really interesting from your background to hear, you know, the different roles that we play and where things are headed as well. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me. Well, thank you and, and keep up the great work. It's really inspiring your, your efforts here. Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening in and engaging to this conversation. I've just got two quick things I want to say. First of all, it would mean so much if you guys could leave a review and rating for this podcast. It means that more people can engage with these discussions and listen in and it will reach a wider audience in general. And secondly, a huge thank you has to go out to local Canberra vocalist, producer and visual artist Slack for putting together the music you guys hear in the background if you like what you do here please give her a follow on soundcloud at slack underscore oz or facebook at slack australia thank you